For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Today on episode 90, I'm replaying a previous episode about how to tackle grading when you're really behind. As much as I'd like to think that I have my systems down pat after 18 years, there are still times when I get behind on my grading. This can be really overwhelming because it just piles on and it seems like you're never going to get out from under it which kind of feels like being in debt. Anyway, so on today's episode, as we're winding down second semester, I am going to give you actionable steps that you're going to want to take so that you can just finally get this done and end the semester right. Welcome to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, where we help new and beginning teachers navigate through those crazy first years of teaching so you can maintain your sanity and personal life. Here's your host, Kim LaPree. Welcome to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kim LaPree, and this is the podcast for new and beginning teachers who don't want to just survive those first few years, but actually thrive. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. You guys know how much I appreciate you, especially right now during this crazy time of the year. And I know that for some of you, it's really hard to find time to listen to the podcast. So for those of you that are here listening today, thank you so much for letting me have just a small piece of your life. You know, I'm constantly thinking about how I can make this podcast better for you. And so I encourage you to email me at Kim at teachersneedteachers.com. And come by and say hi and let me know what's up with teaching. Let me know what I can cover on the podcast that will help you feel a little less overwhelmed and feel more in control of what's going on in your teaching world. And as much as I would love to meet you, I want you to know that there is a way. So this episode is brought to you by the New Educator Weekend North in Santa Clara, California. From February 21st to the 23rd, the California Teachers Association is holding a conference just for teachers like you. And I'm air pointing right now. You can't see it, but I'm pointing to you. And I just got back from the one in San Diego, and it was so amazing to meet so many of you. And I had a lot of fun during my session about giving effective feedback. So if you missed it, please consider going to the one in February. So let me just remind you, the registration fee is only $49 if you're a CTA member and $10 if you're a student CTA member. And this gets you so much conference session and food. 
And it's really inexpensive for a conference. And I encourage you to hit up your administrator and see if they can pay for your registration. It's definitely worth it. And if you go, you can earn up to two credits of university credit from Cal State University Chico Department of Ed for $60 a unit. And don't forget those 15 hours of free professional growth credit for CTA members. So definitely a steal. If cost is what is holding you back, let's figure this out so that you can go and get the professional development that you deserve and need. And our keynote speaker, Nicholas Froney, was amazing at the San Diego conference. I was so inspired by him and could tell that the audience was too. You know, keynotes, they can be hit or miss, but Nicholas totally crushed it. So be sure to head over to teachersneedteachers.com forward slash conference to sign up for the upcoming Santa Clara conference on February 21st to the 23rd. My name is Jennifer Kronk from the Assist Learning Podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. As I mentioned in the introduction, this episode is a replay of one that I've done before. Just like for the rest of us, this is a crazy time of year, so I'm taking a break just for the holidays in terms of creating new material, and I'll be back with new episodes on Monday, December 30th. And in the meantime, I'm just really releasing my most popular and practical episodes that I think are going to really help you during this time of the school year. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button right now so that you don't miss out when I have a brand new episode on December 30th. In the past, it's been really stressful during this time every single year because I fall behind. I would have good intentions of staying ahead of my grading, but life would get in the way or I would just become distracted during my planning period. Maybe I just didn't feel like grading and I know that This happens to all of us. We just sit there and we know we should grade, but we find some excuse to not do it. But here's the thing. Not grading actually creates even more anxiety. It creates more problems for us. And during that last week of school, we're just frantically grading and maybe leaving feedback. And here's the thing. If you leave feedback that they can't do anything about, that they can't use to improve next time, then there's really no point. But I digress. So the first step, if you have a pile of grading, and I know that this seems obvious, but it still is worth mentioning, is to commit to being organized. You have to sit there, take a look at your calendar, take a look at what assignments still need grading. And if you actually need to grade them, maybe you just look at them and give them credit for doing it. Or maybe you just look at them to check for understanding and you don't assign a grade at all. But either way, you need to commit to being organized. Now, I am the last person to talk about organization in terms of like my desk or files. I I know that my file system in Google Drive, it makes some of my coworkers kind of nuts to look at it. But organized as in making grading a priority and then having a list of other priorities that are going to go 
after that. So yes, you have to do grading and then planning could be secondary. Maybe you need to plan for a big chunk of time so that you don't have to think about planning anymore and you can focus on grading and catching up. So we just have to reorganize so that we can make sure that grading gets bumped up to the top of the list. I would love to tell you to come up with a system now on how to stay organized, but at this point, you just need to get the grading done because, you know, for me, I've been really good at managing chaos instead of having a system. And now I do have a system, but before I would just sort of, you know, shoot at the hip and do whatever I needed to do to get it done. And it was just a mad rush to the end. And then I would collapse on that last day before break. So it doesn't have to be that way. These past few years, based on what I'm telling you right now, I have avoided all of that. Okay, so the next thing, and again, this may seem obvious, or you may think, what are you talking about? But here it is. You need to stop adding assignments. Yes, I know that seems crazy because maybe you're thinking, Kim, there's still six weeks of the semester left or five weeks, however long is left. How can you tell me not to add assignments? If you're behind, you need to stop adding assignments. You're never going to be able to catch up. And here's the thing. I mentioned this before. You don't have to grade everything you assign to students. Now let that sink in. Just because you assigned it, it doesn't mean that you have to grade it. And no, it doesn't mean that they're not going to put as much effort because it doesn't, quote unquote, count. Nope, that's not true. They're going to put as much effort as you expect them to and that you've sort of trained them to do. So at this point, if they understand the importance of practice, the importance of doing the class activities and how it helps them improve, if you've established that with your students, It doesn't really matter if it counts or not. They're still going to work for you all the time. So if you have a clear picture of what you want your students to accomplish and only grade a few assignments and standards at a time, you will definitely be able to get through grading faster. Now, I mentioned this back in episode 28 where I gave tips for maximizing the impact of your lesson planning. But it's really important to think about your why, the big picture, What do you want students to learn and what do you want them to be able to demonstrate? And then what products can they produce to prove to you that they've learned it? Now, you can still do the practice. The daily practice is really important. So if you have group work, if you have worksheets, it's really important for them to practice in front of you so that you can catch all of the mistakes that they're making and clear up any misconceptions or misunderstandings. But then the stuff that you actually grade, the stuff that's actually going to go in your grade book, it should be far fewer assignments and it should be assignments where they demonstrate learning of the standard. If you do this, you're actually grading less. You're actually sitting down and doing less work because you've already given them the real time feedback just by looking over their shoulder while they're doing a worksheet and pointing out where their mistakes are or giving them praise when they're doing something well. But then the stuff that they're giving you that you're actually going to grade, those assignments should really demonstrate their level of mastery of a standard. So my point is, don't add more assignments. Use what you have to assess whether or not they've learned the standard or You could maybe add one assignment later on that you're actually going to grade, but you're still giving them work to do day by day. 
It doesn't have to be a graded assignment. It could remember it's just practice, but don't give yourself more that you actually have to sit down after school, before school, during your prep or lunch and grade. Okay. You have to stop the bleeding now. All right. And so this goes on to my next point. As I mentioned, let's reconsider how you're going to grade the assignment. Okay. Now, first of all, you want to look at the stacks of assignments that you have waiting for you and ask yourself, how much of that assignment gives you a clear picture of your student's level of proficiency? So scan it. And if it was only practice and it's not really worth much, you can maybe grade one small part. If it demonstrates learning, you know, maybe one or two questions or just give them a check or some indication of credit for doing it. Or now I know this may seem blasphemous. Just don't grade it at all. If you really just want to glance and see if they did it for completion, fine. But you don't have to sit there and necessarily read all of their answers if it was just practice. It's really not that important. And I know that some people think that, you know, practice makes perfect. And yes, that's true. But practice does not have to go into the grade book. Now, I believe that any assignment worth grading should have some kind of rubric to it. And, you know, you might realize, and this has happened to me, that some assignments really were just a checking for understanding and I really didn't have to do much with it. You know, like I said, I just glanced at it. It was more formative assessment. And so I didn't have to even leave any feedback or even leave a score. I just handed it back to them and maybe we corrected some of the answers together in class. Maybe they traded papers or traded them in groups. So maybe reconsider how you're going to grade it and whether or not you really need to spend a lot of time on it in the first place. Okay, so next, for the assignments that you do have to sit down and grade because they are major assignments, this is where you're really going to have to plan some time to grade. So I'm lucky enough that my school is on a block schedule, so I have 105 minutes for my planning period. I know that some of you have maybe like 50, 55 minutes every single day. Some of you don't get a planning period at all, and so you don't have these large chunks of time. But it's really important to set a block of time. Trying to grade a lot of assignments in, you know, a 30-minute period or even a 55-minute period, it could be really difficult to wrap your brain around the assignment and accomplish anything because it really does take some time to get settled, to look through and really decide in your brain, you know, what is proficient what's not proficient, and then you start to get into a flow. I'm sure you've had this. It takes about maybe like four to six assignments before you really have a clear picture in your head what is passing or what's not. Now, maybe in math, there is the right answer or the wrong answer, or in some of the other subjects, there could be like the right or wrong answer. But if you're checking for how they did their work or Maybe there's some nuance in the answers, so it's not just like black and white, right or wrong. Then it does take a lot longer to get a clear idea in your head of how to grade them. And also when you switch tasks, so let's say that you're going for 55 minutes and you grade, by the time you really get into the groove of grading, you might only have 20 minutes. Well, then now you have to go back and teach. And so it's really hard to get yourself into grading if you don't give yourself a large chunk of time. So I know some of you don't like to take your work home. You don't like to 
grade after school or before school, but you're going to find that you're going to just totally get through those assignments so much faster if you do a lot of them in a chunk. I mean, think about it. When you're doing something and somebody interrupts you and you lose your train of thought when you come back and sometimes you don't even remember where you left off. So if I'm grading an assignment and I decide I was going to check Instagram really quick and then I come back, I probably forgot what I was thinking about that assignment with that student and now I have to start all over from the beginning. It does take a while to get into it and this task switching is really ineffective. So just be sure to set aside a block of time. Make that sacrifice for just one or two days to get it all done. And then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. And this applies even in an ongoing way where if the students did an assignment and let's say you're like me and you have 170 students, well, I have to set aside a pretty big chunk of time to get through most of those. In fact, I set aside two chunks of time because I need to split it up. So I'll do two periods one day and three periods the next day. And honestly, those three periods on that next day, they go by pretty fast because I spent all that time on the first day getting an idea of what I expect to see. And so then the rest of the grading goes by a lot faster. So the next part is thinking about the when and the where. And this can be difficult because you need to find a place and a time when you're not going to be interrupted. If you are like me and you have kids, and this was especially true when my daughter was younger, it could be difficult to find that block of time once I got home. So in all honesty, I spent time at school so that I could get this done. That way, also, when I went home, I could spend quality time with my family instead of trying to juggle grading and taking care of my daughter and everything else. Now, I, I know some of you don't want to stay after school, but it's probably a better place than trying to manage chaos at home. So you need to commit to a when and a where. And there have been times when I've done this on a weekend when my husband took my daughter and they did something together and that was perfect. Now, during this chunk of time when I would be grading, I really had to be disciplined about not being distracted. And oh my goodness, you guys, it's so hard. So I would turn off my phone or at least put it on vibrate and put it away and then I would also close all other tabs that had anything that could distract me, even if it was the news or Facebook or whatever. And I would just focus on grading because it's so easy to get distracted. It's so much more fun to be distracted than to grade. But, you know, I had to come to the realization that as a teacher, I owe it to my students and my own personal sanity to just get it done to just suck it up and get it done and commit to finishing it and not let myself get that far behind again. It's so much more anxiety inducing to be behind than to just, you know, grade as you go. So I learned to just set aside a block of time after every single assignment that I needed to grade and I just got it done. Okay. So we have the when and the where. Now, maybe if you stay at school, you have distractions so if you can find a place to go where no one's gonna, going to be able to distract you, or for me, sometimes I'll turn off the lights and lock my door so that people can't come in. They think that I've gone for the day, and then I'll get my grading done. 
you know, just hide out somewhere. Or maybe you can even go to the public library if that's what it takes to just get, you know, a couple hours to yourself so you can get the grading done. Now, while you're grading, make sure you have everything that you need, if that's going to be pens or pencils or, you know, for me, I do a lot of my grading online. So I have just those tabs open that I need. And then I think about how I can streamline my feedback. This is really important because this is probably the part that drags us the most. It just drags us down. It's a time suck is leaving that feedback. And feedback is so important because without it, your students don't know how they're going to improve. It would be like, you know, someone going to baseball practice and just sitting there, you know, playing, hitting the ball, catching, and no one telling them how to become better. They would all, in terms of their ability to play, they'd all say the same. All the players would say the same. So same thing with students in our classes. They have to get feedback from us and it needs to be given in a timely manner. Now, it's so much easier to give feedback in person. If you can give them feedback on the spot and tell the student how they're doing well and exactly which areas they need to improve, that's so much easier than later on sitting at your desk trying to write all of this out. It is more work in person, but it's a lot less work later. It's a fair trade-off. But if you do have to write feedback, if you really feel compelled, here's some tips that you can do. Now, if you're grading on paper, what I would do before is I would scan about five to 10 assignments looking for commonalities, looking for trends. So common errors that my students are making. And I would write these down on a piece of paper. And for each comment, I would assign a number or a letter. So it's sort of like a code. You know, if one of them is um, you have an incomplete thesis statement, then that would be code one or A. And then anytime that mistake would come up, I would write that code on the paper instead of writing out the feedback by hand. And then when I return everyone's papers back, I would display the codes for them and I would have them write the feedback or the comment in as we went through their work. So it wasn't just like, here's your assignment, let's move on. We'd go over the common mistakes that people were making. Now, if you're grading online, you can use an app like Google Keep and you could keep all of the codes in one place or all of the comments in one place. And then all you have to do is just copy and paste it instead of typing it out each time. And there's a lot of other online grading programs, especially if you use Google Classroom and the Google Suite for Education. But just in general, just try to streamline how you deliver those comments so you don't have to keep writing it out every single time. Now, I do have to mention one thing, though. And this is just from my experience. If you're not going to give your students the opportunity to do something with that feedback, such as revise it or direct them to apply it to the next assignment, you really don't even need to leave feedback. I mean, seriously, they're not going to read it if they know that the assignment is done, they can't change their grade, and they're not going to do this type of assignment again. A lot of times they don't read our feedback anyway, but especially if there's no hope of making that particular assignment better. They never remember it, and they rarely carry it on to the next assignment. Now, based on what I do in my own teaching... I don't let myself get more than one or two assignments behind because, as I mentioned before, it creates a lot of anxiety. 
And so I commit to setting time to grade. And as I mentioned, again, I do have longer planning periods to do that. But a lot of times I really need a whole two hour block. And so I will take maybe one day or one evening to grade. And I just sit in the guest room and I'll just grade and knock it all out. Or maybe I'll do two periods one day and two periods the next day. So I do commit. And then if I do get really far behind, or if I know that I'm about to get behind, I stop adding things to grade and I give assignments in class that I can just give them more real-time feedback and then it can all lead to a final product. So there's only one more. And a lot of times I time that one last assignment for the semester right when I'm done grading the other assignment. That way I don't fall behind. Makes sense, right? And then... If I am far behind, then I re again, I reconsider how I'm going to grade it. Do I need to grade it? Do I need to grade every single part? Can I just hone in on one part? Sometimes when kids do an essay, I only read one paragraph because honestly, in that one paragraph, I can already tell what their grade is going to be. The rubric is in my head and I don't need to read everything that they wrote. So it might just be their intro, a body paragraph and the conclusion, and that's it. So I'm thinking about how I'm going to grade it so that I can maximize my time and still help students improve. So if you are behind right now in your grading, I hope that these tips will help you in terms of figuring out how you're going to tackle all of that before it's time to go on winter break. And don't forget that if this is valuable to you, then it would probably be in your best interest to go ahead and hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And you can go ahead and look at the other episodes to see if maybe some of the other tips that I or my guests have given can help you on your teaching journey. Because you know, I'm looking out for you guys, you new teachers out there who need as much support and cheerleading as you can get. If you have any questions, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at kim at teachersneedteachers.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcast or Google Play to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.